In verse 17. He says, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. Mm. So I just want to change it for a minute. Thus says Yeshua, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am Yeshua, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. This passage, I believe, is so important in the last days for us as revivalists, as people living in a move of God. Because the world has taught us a way to profit. And it's absolutely a lie. What you do to get what you have is not the kingdom. The kingdom is what he did, is what you have. You don't profit in church by doing things to obtain more. And sadly, in a lot of churches, It becomes about how many people are coming and how many tithes are coming in and what are we doing to make sure that we have enough money to build a new stage, do a new thing, have a new show, support another thing or do another thing or pay another salary or hire another person. How do we profit? And the problem is the body of Christ bought a lie and began to try to profit. And that's why when you go to those places, there is no peace. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I've taught you how to profit. Yeah. I've taught you how to profit. This word really means profit. It really, that's, I mean, it's not like, oh, is, is this there some hidden Hebrew meaning in this? No, it means to gain. Right? Gain more than you've given away. Yes. Pressed down, shaken, overflowing. Yes. More blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> so he said, I, Jesus... Teach you how to profit. You have learned in a world system that started when you were so little. That when you did good, you got good. When you did bad, you got bad. Right? And then you moved on. And and here's the thing about parenting children. I just say this word really fast. Children are like people under the law. And here's why. A child has to be trained in the way they should go until they have the Spirit of Christ to determine how they should go. So parents, you're not expressing grace to your child by letting it be a wild banshee. God is saying you have a guardianship. The law was a guardian to people who didn't have the Spirit of Christ to govern themselves. So rules in the home are governing children who don't know the way they should go. And and we can't get mixed up and say, well, I just give my kids grace. No, you're teaching your children how to be wild and crazy when they're older. And so that's, people get confused about it. The guardianship is until the Spirit of Christ, when your child has reached a level of maturity that they make decisions in the Holy Spirit, don't put any rules on them. 
Because now they're under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? You can continue to let them. I mean, I'm not saying don't put any rules. But I'm just saying, guard, be careful that you don't try to squeeze them down under your roof. Right? Because God didn't do that. When Jesus came, He let us become. He lets you become under grace. That's what happens. It's like you're out from under the law. You no longer have to perform. But now you can become. Until that time, you needed the guardian. Okay, that's just a small word. That's a sidebar. But I felt the Holy Spirit on it, so I had to go with it. I'm the, I'm the Lord your God. I'm teaching you to profit. So the law to the people of Israel became the idol. And that should be a sobering word to us in the church. Because our methods, the barn, can become an idol. How we do it can become an idol. Okay, and I just I feel I'm not rebuked by God or any any way negative. I feel the father empowering me to say, Justin, this is never going to be about idolatry. It's always going to be about me. It's always just going to be about me. And you won't even know how to do it and you won't even know what's coming. But that's okay because I know how to do it and I'm in you and we'll do it. Right. I'm teaching you how to profit. I'm teaching you how to gain. And as God has unfolded what has happened with you, with you, your lives, Sammy, David, Camilla, Jordan, Nicole, everybody, everybody. What God has unfolded with you is an organic move of the love of Jesus Christ. And it all happens to land in one room on a Sunday morning or a Thursday night or Saturday evening or whenever it is. It's still just the love of God. And since that has unfolded, I have profited. You have profited. Today, when people confessed the secrets of their hearts, they profited. It was like handing the cashier dirty socks and getting a diamond ring. I'm serious. It's exactly what it is. Hey, here's my dirty socks. Oh, good. Hey, I got saved the biggest ring for you. It's right here. That's so good. See, the kingdom is so backwards that we can't get sucked into the world's way, the way that seems right to a man that leads us into death. Because you won't profit. You'll become idolatrous. And that's just, that's how Jesus is. And here's what he says as the result. I led you in the way you should go. Here's what the original teaching of the Father was. Believe in me. Abraham was counted righteous long before the law ever existed because he believed. Jesus' commandment in the New Testament, obey my commands, is believe in me. You believe in me, you're going to do what I do. That's, that's the essential key element. So the way we should go, he's the, Jesus is the, Say it again. Jesus is the way, truth, and life. So the way we should go to profit is the way of Jesus. So the way of Jesus started out in a barn. Ended persecuted and dead. So I'm just telling you the way we should go in our hearts. Is not that we want the barn to become something, to become anything that would elevate us, grow us in the eyes of men. 
but that at the end we would actually see our death. His life. And the resurrection of many sons and daughters. (laughs) That's the body of Christ. Like that's what it's supposed to be. I'm teaching you the way. And along the way, you choose the lower path. Romans 15 said Jesus never sought to please himself. Meaning he never set himself above someone to use someone. Right? People think God likes servants. God loves sons and daughters. Right? He doesn't want servants. He's not looking to use you. God's not a user of people. Does he need anything from us? No. We need him. We're caught in the humility of God who said, I'll let you worship me because I'm the only being who can receive it in humility. I'll let you experience love through worship that you would never experience otherwise because I'm humble enough to receive the worship. And you just get caught in a circle that says, when you worship him, you get filled with his love. So what is happening is you're filling the heavens with worship and he's filling you with love. And it's the cycle that makes you bigger on the inside over and over and over until you're so big and confident and secure on the inside. The world no longer shakes you, moves you or stumbles you. Now you really look like Jesus a little bit, just a little Jesus, you know, and that's what the that's what the Bible says. You're to be a witness of Christ. Not like I'm like like Jesus, I act like Jesus, but I literally live his life. So when I am offended or when something comes at me that can be offensive, I'm suddenly not offended. See, grace has taught me, the grace and the finished work of Jesus has taught me that I'm constantly aware of why I was created. That's what it's doing to me. It's constantly making aware. And why I was created was to be love. Be love, not use people to get things. But to be love. So this week I had somebody call me when I had a plan and I had a thing that was going to happen. And it was me and the Lord. Like I had planned this with the Lord. That's a serious plan when you plan it with the Lord, right? And I get a phone call that totally disrupts it. And I'm like, the last thing I want to do is go and do what I've been asked to do in this phone call. You know what hit me? The Holy Spirit in me, reminding me of grace, I suddenly said to myself and out loud, I'm only created for love. And the Holy Spirit was with me and he said, yeah, go and be love. Like there's so much liberty in God that when you make a plan with God, he's willing to let it be interrupted so you can go and be love on some other assignment. What a humble and loving father. He's not like, no, my plan, my it's got to be me. Like you got to shut it down. He's like, no, go be love. Jesus draws away, right? How many times did he draw away? Why? I just want to go be alone with my father. And here they come. Jesus, Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we can't figure anything out, you know? And he's just like, my sheep, here I am. Yeah. I, I, here I am. What, what do you need? I love you. Let's do it. We'll, oh, you can't cast a demon out? Go out. And I, you know what? You need belief. You have unbelief in your heart. You know, and that's how Jesus led. He didn't lead like, no, dude, I'm going to dad right now. You back up. I don't care how hungry you are. I don't care how thirsty you are. I don't care what you need. Like, I need time with, Jesus, with, with the Father. No. Interruption, interruption, interruption. Inter- 
He's sleeping in a boat, confident in his faith. And here comes a bunch of people who say, we're going to die. He wasn't like, why did you wake me up? He's like, peace be still. I'll deal with your problems. I'm willing to be interrupted. So if Christ is in you, you have to be willing to be interrupted. Otherwise, you're not living as he is. First John 4, 7. You're not being as he is in the world. If your plans and agenda are too much for what God is trying to interrupt you to do or allowing you to be interrupted to do, you have to check yourself. Okay? And that's not a condemnation. That's an empowerment. It's an empowerment and freedom because this is the reason why we don't like being interrupted. We're do people. I have to do this. I have to get this done. And the Father says, you have to enter my rest. So when I interrupt you, I'm actually empowering you to not be as responsible as you think you should be. I felt that go down my that went into my heart. Ah. That's how the father fathers. He's not telling you, I want to interrupt you because I'm gonna mess up your day. He's interrupting you to say, I'm gonna give you more and more rest. I'm gonna free you and free you and free you from all those things that you feel so obligated to. And you'll find, and here's what happened to me, and I'm not the standard, I'm just giving you a testimony. When I said I'm only created for love. Immediately, all frustration, all difficulty, and everything that would have been negative left. And then I said, okay, if we're going to do this, I command in Jesus' name, every angel concerning me right now, come and let's make this day as swift and complete. Because in, in the work of the Lord, I can get everything done that I need to get done today. All of a sudden, I show up. Everything's like boom, boom, boom. I'm out in like 10 minutes. Things I thought were going to take me, I don't know, a couple hours. It was so smooth. And I, walk, I laughed as I walked out of the... I'm like, what? yeah, this is awesome. And now I have time to go do X. And I have time to do Y. And, and I'm doing it in joy. Not my, see, what used to happen to me was I got the phone call, got bitter at the one who called me, got frustrated why he called me, got frustrated about the fact that I had to go do something I wasn't planning to do and live the entire day in frustration. Whether or not got tasks done. This time, because I am love, I have to live it out in joy. See, count it all joy when you face various trials. One of the greatest trials you'll face is a challenge to your agenda. You don't have to face like sickness and, and, and sorrow. You can just face the challenges to your ego and your agenda. And God says, count it joy. Like, I'm stripping you of who you think you are. Isn't that awesome? Josiah and I were talking about this last night. Being stripped of who you are is a beautiful thing. I used to have such this arrogance in my heart and pride and desire to be known. If that, I'll just say it that way. I want to be known. And because why? I'm watching conference after conference and the same 20 speakers and the same, you know, I'm watching this happen. I'm like, man, those guys. I want to be like those guys. I want to be the guys on the stage. I want to be known, right? And it's, it teaches you like star mentality. If I want to be like them because they've gotten somewhere in God and they have notoriety. And the father just came to me. And in one moment, I was kind of being a really big baby. And I was yelling into heaven at about midnight. And I was saying, can I get some consideration? And that's what I was yelling. Literally, with candles lit, having a time of intimacy with Jesus that turned south really fast. 
<laughs> it did. There was a candle lit on my night on my on my coffee table, and I was like worshiping the Lord, and then all of a sudden I erupted into flesh fest, you know. And I'm like, can I get some consideration? And I might have said it like three, four, five, ten. I don't know how many times I said it. And I get quiet, and I hear this. Is divine consideration not enough? And the answer was yes. <laughs> you know, that was, if I was just going to be honest with Jesus, I was basically, I had to say like, yeah, like the creator of the world who loves me without measure, <laughs> you loving me and being near to me is not enough. Like what? Yeah. Help me and help me. And I just, re- I got wrecked. It wrecks me every time I tell that story because he loves me so much. He didn't like reach his thumb out of heaven and just be like, <laughs> Because he could have. But see, his love for me was like, am I not enough for you? And so in that wrecking, he destroyed who Justin was. And I'm so thankful. It was the most painful seasons of my life. And on this side of it, I wouldn't, it's, it's a drop in the bucket to what he paid for me. It's a drop in the bucket to what others have gone through. It's, it's not even worth talking about. I've sacrificed for Jesus. I live in America. I drive a car. I have a bed. I have a shower. I eat food when I need to. Like, seriously, you know, we just have to get a right perspective on who he is and what he's done for us. So the consideration that you guys have in the Father will never, ever, ever need to be supplemented. You never need supplemented Never. Because Jesus considers you all the time. So the way that you will profit is the way of Jesus. And it's the way that your idols will be destroyed. Josiah and I, I was telling you, Josiah and I were talking last night. For Josiah, most places he goes to minister, he can't be Josiah. And the reason is, he's so gifted... And so anointed that he intimidates leaders wherever he goes. And they can't minister with him because they're afraid his gifting will become something that people will follow. And they're afraid of losing people. Insecurity always breeds orphan spirit. (laughs) When Jesus destroyed Justin and when Jesus destroyed Josiah... He created a bond of peace, a brotherhood, in which I am not intimidated by the fact that he would be here fully living out his gifts. In fact, I hope he accentuated, grew, and even used his gifts more than he ever has. And he told us this morning, he said, I have not had that much enjoyment in a meeting, and I don't know how long, and I'm in hundreds and hundreds of meetings. He said the freedom of what was happening, the fruit of the people that are in that room. He said it was like nothing I have encountered. He's like since he was in a revival in Kansas City where he experienced times like we had last night and this morning on a nonstop basis seven days a week. He said I haven't experienced since that time. So since that revival, this was the next moment in his life. So he was wrecked and Nicole wrecked him on the way out too. Nicole, she just shot a word across the bow. And he ended up on the floor on his face. (laughs) Beautiful. 
So I'm encouraging you guys in this. Desire to grow and profit in Jesus. But your profiting, okay, will be more of Him. More of Him means more identity of who you are. The, the new covenant is not I must decrease, He must increase. It's He must increase in me as I increase. Because your increase and His increase are one. If you're not increasing, then you're not growing and there's not more Jesus in you. So why would you ever say, I need to decrease? So earnestly desire what? The greater gifts. Earnestly desire that you would prophesy. Earnestly desire you would be full of the Holy Spirit. Earnestly desire, but don't strive, work, or put your energy into it. Desire it means to hold it before the Father and remind Him of John 16, which says, you are responsible, Holy Spirit, to give me everything Jesus has. That's what the Bible says. Holy Spirit, and I say this to Him, I say, Holy Spirit, it's your responsibility to plant in me more love for my brothers and sisters. So here I am resting, and here I am trusting, and here I am worshiping, and I know I will love more. It's the simplicity of the gospel. So when you ask Holy Spirit to give you what you need and desire what you have, you're profiting. But your profit of gain is always someone else's gain. You don't get more Jesus to get more ego. Right? We know that. We don't get more Jesus to get more quote unquote authority and we lord it over men. Leaders are to be the lowest place. Yes. Strive to not strive. I hate that word, but it is a good word. I mean, so the Bible says strive to enter the rest. It's not what it says in the Greek, so I should just stop using it. I'll just use the Greek word when I figure it out. But enter the rest, right? Is you need to put in the mentality of becoming a leader in the kingdom. Every single person in this room. Yes. Because you're given as a covenant people to the people. And because of that, your profit will be someone else's gain. What he's poured in is going to come out. And you have to freely receive and freely give constantly. And let that be the fountain of living water that flows through you. You're giving it out when you, and I've told you guys this so many times, but it's the truth. Fires in the kingdom grow when you take the burning logs off and give them to somebody. So when you say, set a fire down in my soul, great. Now take the burning logs and hand them to somebody. Don't try to kindle your own thing. Don't try to profit in your own way that that it becomes about you. And the Bible says in in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart. For from it flow the springs, well springs of life. Guarding your heart is not effort, energy, and striving. Guarding your heart is remaining under the shadow of a wing of a Savior who says, Behold my face. Behold my face. So when things come that cause you to want to go the way of the world, you return to His face. You don't return to His to-do list. You're not in a marriage where the honey-do list is Jesus saying, Yeah, go and... He's saying, No, just come look at me. 
Just repent. Look at me. Repent. Turn away from the list. Turn away from the dues. Turn away from the performance. Turn away from the agenda. Turn away from your timing. Turn away from your schedule. Turn away from all the things that you think are going to make you secure and familiar. And let me be the face you look into. And that's really unfamiliar territory. And it's where your faith will explode. He said this to me this week, Thursday morning, when I woke up out of sleep. First thing he said to me, he said, faith, familiarity always wars against faith. And humans always want everything familiar. And he's right. I want familiar things. I mean, that's just my nature. That's the sin nature that's going to be gone when I get to heaven. But unfamiliar things always produce risky situations which always grow faith. See, it's unfamiliar for us today in here. For some of you, dancing, having a good time. And what's happening? Your faith is going out. Someone confesses. That's awkward, unfamiliar, not fun because of human, human ways of thinking, right? You're like, well, I don't really want to say anything because people are going to think, right? All that mind traffic can come in. But somebody does it, and what happens? Faith for others goes... Right. So the unfamiliar produces faith, which produces fruit. So I'm, I'm just... And, and here's where I'm going to end. I really feel in this season of life, in this season that we're in, we're in a springtime season... And Jesus was in this place with the disciples and there was no food again. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Like it's how the Bible brings it up. Like, yeah, they were together and there was no food. So they had to go get some, you know, it's like, where are we going to get the food? You know, like Jesus, you always take us in these places where there's no 7-Eleven, you know, like, well, where are we going to get it? And uh, but so Jesus is there and the disciples, you know, leave. And then Jesus has this conversation at the well and he, he's waiting on them to come back. They're, they're going to come back with the food. Right. And they come back to the food. With the food. Jesus is hungry. He's worn out. But he just had this conversation at the well. And when they get back, they're like, Jesus, the food. And what's he say? A food you know nothing about. Mm. And what Jesus did was he encountered glory through the Holy Spirit with the woman at the well. And his response to encountering glory was to fast. The tendency in the Christian church and the tendency in our hearts is that when great things happen in God, we run to a reward that feeds our flesh. I know that to be true. I, I came through in a time when I was sexually bound, when I was, I was addicted to sexual fulfillment. And what happened was God was still using me. He'd use me in these powerful, powerful ways. And when he would use me, in a situation or a circumstance or a meeting and something would end, this was right in the very beginning of my relationship with him, I would leave that, and the first thing I would run to was sexual. Why? I'm seeking a reward of my flesh for something great that just happened. See, I encountered the goodness and the glory of God, and I don't know how to just be okay in that. I feel like I have to supplement it to my flesh. Does that make sense? And so what what the tendency in the church is when revival begins to happen, and this is why leadership gets itself in trouble, is because the leaders begin to think when the goodness of God is coming, we begin a feast season, and they run into feasting their flesh, feeding their flesh, and by the feeding of their flesh, small little tiny things become strongholds that lead to bigger strongholds, and before you know it, leadership in revival often falls, fails morally or physically or physiologically or another way because they have run to their flesh because they don't know how to just enjoy the glory of God. Because they're, what they're doing is the glory of God causes them to desire that all the time. And they know that in their past, feeding the flesh gave them some satisfaction. And what ends up happening, what ends up happening 
is they can't continue in the glory of God. Now they're stuck on yesterday's bread. But because they have name and notoriety, people still follow them. And it's stale bread. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's not profit, guys. The glory of God is not to profit us so that we become fascinated with how we can make ourselves feel better. The glory of God is to make us more like Jesus. And to bring people in this place that don't know anything about Jesus. So what I'm just telling you just as a family, okay, and this is between you and the Holy Spirit, I don't call for corporate fasts. I don't see it in the Bible. I see where elders fasted together. I see where, you know, some of the people in the body fasted together. But I'm just challenging you that as this thing unfolds, listen to the Holy Spirit and fast throughout this journey. And here's why. God will take you to really unfamiliar places or you can take yourself there. You can go there by fasting. You see, when you fast, you enter into a realm that's very unfamiliar. Some people in the Christian church have never fasted. It's a vital, important tool in the body of Christ to remain faithful to faith. The faith. So I'm just telling us, let's be a family that would be willing to fast for one another. Right? Fast for me. I'm just asking you. Like, I don't know what just happened. I just went to say something. But the Holy Spirit, you know where this thing's going to end up? Like, I, I need a covering. Yeah. Jordan needs a covering. Our marriage needs a covering. Right? So... I'm just telling you, we're not the only ones. Like David and Michelle, they need a covering. Ashley, she's going to need a covering. Nicole and Chris, you need a covering. John and Hannah, you need a covering. Like, should we not have enough compassion in our hearts for one another that we could not eat a meal for a while? Yes. Because I'm just telling you, in that unfamiliar place, Jesus does what needs to happen, not what you think should happen. A lot of people enter fast because they think, well, I'm going to fast for this, and I'm going to fast for this, and now they're doing a formula, and they think the formula is going to produce the result. Yes. You fast because it's the Lord's Prayer. You're only fasting because you say it's my Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name, hallowed is your name. So you're setting yourself apart, saying, I'm not going to eat food because you are who you are. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You're not praying. You're not fasting going, my agenda come forward. The Lord's prayer is, your dad, I'm not. I'm not going to eat because I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. So I'm thinking it should be X or Y and I'm going to pray that way. But if it's not, I want what the kingdom needs right now. Right? And you fast. The Lord's, it's the Lord's prayer is fasting. So your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which means in your life, in the lives of the people you're around, let it be done. So I just challenge us, we will be a family who doesn't run from the glory to our flesh. However, like the kingdom is always empowering, guys. So I'm empowering you to fast. I will tell you this, when it's time to fast, grace will be on your life. Yes. You're not struggling, straining. I used to, because I did it in striving. I used to be the worst faster. Ask Jordan. I'd be like, honey, I'm going to fast. She's just, she would like be like, 
oh no. She'd even like bring me, bring me treats. Like, you sure? You sure? Maybe you just need a little carbohydrate. I don't know. You just, no, I'm kidding about that part. I was terrible, dude. I, I mean, I was the grumpiest, meanest, like, I was the Isaiah 58, you know, I wanted to punch people in the face. I, I'm just like, that wasn't, there was no grace on it. No. But here's Jesus. In my striving, he still rewarded me because he rewards faith, even though it was misguided. I still grew through wrong fasting, but I messed up some other people along the way. <laughs> but he restored that too. He'll use everything for the good, right? Praise God. But I'm just, I'm just encouraging you, empowering you. And here's why. We are going to be a family who feasts well as well. We're not just a family that will fast and be all mopey and down in the mouth. We're a family that has a great time. And if you didn't see what happened this morning, just to reiterate, the kingdom of God is advancing rapidly. And so we'll be a feasting family and a fasting family. And in that, the faith that comes out of here will absolutely change this region. So that's my encouragement to you this morning. You encouraged? Yes.